Father, you are good. We thank you for what you've done this last year, how you've changed lives. And we thank you for what you're going to do this year. Uh, change lives, please. We seek you now and ask you to teach us from your word and lead us as a church. Unite us and use us for your glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So our passage gives, uh, and by the way, uh, let me see, I don't have this. uh, I was going to go back here. Look at Mark. Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 34, page 577 in the Bibles that we give away. So if someone doesn't have a Bible, just raise your hand. Someone will bring it to you. It's our gift to you. And we're going through the Gospel of Mark, and it just so happens that we landed on this passage this week, which really describes God's overarching plan and how we're to fit into that. And I think we'll see how it fits our vision for 2021. Uh, it speaks of our eternal purpose and temporary mission. See, we, we have, as God's people, we have an eternal purpose, uh, and, and we also have a temporary mission while we're here on this planet. The eternal purpose is something we do now and forever. The temporary mission is what we do now until either we die or Jesus comes back, okay? So we're going to see that in our passage. Let's look at Mark chapter 12. Verse 28 says, One of the scribes approached. When he heard them debating and saw that Jesus answered them well, he asked him, Which command is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord, is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other command greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have correctly said that he is one, and there is no one else except him. And to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is far more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And no one dared to question him any longer. And here we see uh, really the great commandment, right? The great commandment. But I think we also see uh, an indication of the great commission. You know, the great commission found in Matthew 28, go and make disciples in all the earth. Well, that's loving your neighbor. That's how you love your neighbor the best is sharing Jesus with them. So we see the the great commandment and the great commission, the great commandment, that's our eternal purpose. To glorify and love God forever together. But the Great Commission, to love our neighbor as ourselves, to reach out, to make disciples. And so we see this in our passage, okay? So let's walk through it a little bit. Uh, i got to get past these wonderful pictures again. And uh, first we see the scribe's question, okay? It's, it's the first verse. One of the scribes approached. We heard him debating. He asked, which is the greatest commandment of all? Which is the most important one? Okay, that's the, that's a, by the way, I think this scribe was sincere, you know, we've been looking through Mark, and, and these uh, leaders are attacking Jesus. They're asking these questions, trying to catch him. But I think this guy was really sincere, and Jesus even says so in the end there that he's not far from the kingdom of God. And, but he was sincere, but he had, his question was because in the Old Testament, especially in the first five books, the, the, the Jewish people saw that there are 613 commands 
in the Torah. 613. So he wants to know which is the greatest one, which is the most important one. And that's his question here, okay? A legitimate question that they actually did debate on. Now, what's fascinating is that some actually argued that the command to wear fringes on your garment was the most important. Yeah, I think they got a little sidetracked there. Okay, that's a, but so he's wanting to know what's the most important. Now, Jesus' answer, he answers them with what's known as the Shema. This is the most important passage of Scripture, according to Jews, in the Old Testament. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. And he quotes the first part of it, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Okay, that's the greatest, the most important. But Jesus adds something that the scribe didn't ask. What's the second greatest? And he says the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. He puts them all together, which is kind of fascinating because notice none of these, these two commands that he mentions, neither of them are in the Ten Commandments. But they summarize the Ten Commandments. You see, the first four of the Ten Commandments are directed towards God. So that's how we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. The, ne- the last six are how to love your neighbor as yourself. And so we see that really these two commandments summarize the ten, summarize all of the commandments, and Jesus is saying that's the greatest, that's the most important. Now, and the scribe recognizes this. And uh, he says, you're right in this. He sees his answer as being good. And he starts out, though, the Shema starts out with, there is one God. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The scribe said, you are correct. Uh, He is one, and there is no one else except him. Only one God. Now, that word one, echad, is kind of a fascinating Hebrew word because it. It means one, but it recognizes a diversity within the unity. It's the same word used when he says, and the two will become one flesh. So there's, there's a, a diversity within the unity, and that's true of God. He is triune. The one God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we see here one God. Doctrine is important. Jesus' answer starts out with doctrine. Doctrine is important. The Trinity is essential. You have to have the right God. If you don't like that, you'll have to take that up with God because he's the one that said it, okay? So here we see this, this important fact. In Deuteronomy 32, 17, he says all other gods are actually demons. All other gods are not actually gods. They're demons. That means Allah is a demon, not the true God. So this whole question, you know, is all the different gods, are they all really just the same God? No, the answer, according to the Bible, is no. And so we see this very, very important here. But then he moves into the greatest commandment, okay? And that is love God holistically with your whole being. Now, when you see this, when he says uh, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, uh, he's not telling us that there are four parts to humans. 
You know, some people think we're three parts. Some people think we're two parts. Some people think we're four parts. But it can't be. He's not dividing us up into parts because he mentions four. And then the guy afterwards, he says, you're right. And he only mentions three. And he doesn't even mention the same three as Jesus mentioned in the four. So are there five parts? Because if you add them all together, there's five. <laughs> no, that's the myth. We're missing it. That's how we think 21st century modernists and postmodernists. That's not how they thought back then, okay? He's simply saying, with everything about you, love God completely, totally. This is our eternal purpose. That's why it's the greatest commandment. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever together in a relationship of love. I add that last part because if it's the greatest commandment, it's got to be a part of why he made us, <laughs> right? So here we see this uh, loving God with all of who we are. And uh, he says, love God. And I want to say this. I love God. I love God with all my heart. He's absolutely everything to me. Uh, when I turned to him at age 21, I never looked back at the plow. I, I, it's, it, he has been everything to me. He is by far the most satisfying. I love him more than anyone or anything, bar none. He is incredible, and I want you to have the same kind of love because he is so marvelous, so incredible. And God calls us to love him. But what is love? That's a question, you know, that I think our world really distorts the, uh, the, the very definition of love. Uh, let me read real quickly here. Uh, these were some questions asked to children about marriage. Okay. Uh, this was, how do you decide who to marry? This is Alan, who is age 10. He said, you got to find somebody who likes the same stuff. Like if you like sports, she should like it that you like sports, and she should keep the chips and dip coming. Another question, what is the right age to get married? Camille, age 10, she said 23 is the best age because you know the person forever by then. Uh how can a stranger tell if two people are married? Derek, age eight, he said, you might have to guess based on whether they seem to be yelling at the same kids. <laughs> okay. Uh, what do most people do on a date? Lynette, age eight, said, dates are for having fun, and people should use them to get to know each other. Even boys have something to say if you listen long enough. Martin, age eight, on the first date, they just tell each other lies, and that usually gets them interested enough to go for a second date. <laughs> uh, here's one. When is it okay to kiss someone? Pam, age seven, said, when they're rich. Uh, is, is it better to be single or married? Uh, Anita, age nine, said, it's better for girls to be single, but not for boys. Boys need someone to clean up after them. <laughs> and finally, how would you make a marriage work? And Ricky, age 10, said, tell your wife that she looks pretty, even if she looks like a truck. <laughs> so 
I'm pretty sure that's not what real love is, okay? Uh, Daniel Aiken, in his commentary, he gives a, a list. He says, comparing a man's love for his wife gives some insights into his love for God. Number one, is the Lord the all-consuming passion of my life? Number two, do I have a deep, intense, and abiding affection for my Lord? Number three, am I loyal to my God with an exclusive love? Number four, do I resist and even oppose anything or anyone that seeks to do my Lord harm? Number five, am I zealous to defend my, with grace my Lord's name and honor? Number six, do I enjoy spending time with my Lord? Number seven, do I do things that please my Lord and increase his joy? Number eight, do I brag on my Lord to others? Number nine, do I tell my Lord that I love him? And number 10, do I talk with my Lord as much as I can? I like to think of two prepositions when you're looking at what is, what is love. Uh, with and for. When you really love someone, you want to be with them. And you want to do for them. And, uh, and so he's calling us to love God. It's the greatest commandment. Love God holistically. That's with all of yourself, okay? Now, people and churches tend to emphasize one or the other things, okay? Uh, some churches are really, really emphasize the mind, loving God with all your mind. So you have doctrinal churches. And so, but I want you to just picture, if I had a board here, I'd draw, and I'm a really good artist, just kidding. But I draw, just imagine a person with this giant head and a little tiny body and a little heart, okay? And it looks more like a monster, doesn't it? Okay, so that's just emphasizing the head. But some, some churches emphasize the heart, just love, okay, the heart. Just imagine a body with a little tiny head, big heart, and little arms and legs, okay? You know, like Tyrannosaurus Rex or something like that. Well, he has the big head, but you, you got it. You got that? That's also a monster. But what about action-oriented, okay? You got this little head, little heart, giant arms and legs. Monster. God calls us to love him with all of our mind, with all of our heart, with all of our strength, with all of our actions. And that's what we're uh, seeking to have here. Uh, let me read something. I wrote some time ago. Uh, happy, clappy, and gooey-ooey churches focusing on the heart, uh, focus on the heart very well, but susceptible to false doctrine and not very productive in advancing the kingdom. Doctrinally sound, rational churches focus on the mind very well, but tend to be very dry, proud, and not very productive either. Evangelistic or social activist churches focus on the strength or active will very well, but tend to be very shallow and not very deep in their affections toward God or each other. What if we had a balance of all three? The best type of church to achieve this balance is the cell church. Uh, that's the life church model that we have, uh, where relational discipleship takes place. You have the heart, affections, not just emotions. We grow in our love for God and what he loves and our hate for what he hates. He hates sin, not people. Worship enhances the affections. 
when we express our love and praise to our spouse, it actually completes the affection. When you love someone from the heart, you don't have to work up praise and adoration for that person. Like, I love you, honey. I said that because if I say that five times a day, it will benefit you and you won't nag me so much. Yeah, that's not good, right? Husbands? No. Okay, okay, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Can you imagine a relationship without deep affections? When we truly love God, praise comes naturally and joyfully, and that praise actually increases the love because it completes it. So that's the heart, but the mind. Doctrine is critical because we cannot love a God we don't know, and we cannot love him properly if we don't know what makes him happy. The Bible tells us who God is and what his plan is for us, what makes him happy. And then strength. Active Christianity is the only Christianity worth living. Using our spiritual gifts in the body of Christ and reaching out to the world in evangelism and ministry to the poor with a servant's heart is exciting. Couch potatoes are boring, okay? So holistic love for God. But the question is, is this, is this command possible? I've, I have heard theologians say, nobody can love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I say, baloney. The Bible says you can. In Joshua 14, verses 8 and 9, it says Caleb did. In 1 Kings 14, 8, it says David did. So it is possible to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But here's how it works, okay? You first receive his love. He first loved us. You receive his love, and then you love him back with that love that you got from him. Okay? And as you're doing that, that breaks the idols in your life. And when those idols are getting broken, then it helps you be open to receiving more of his love, of which you return back to him, and it breaks more idols. And it's a nice cycle. It's called sanctification. But God calls us to this wonderful love relationship, and that's how it works. And yes, it is possible. And then second, he says, love your neighbor. Who is my neighbor? The Good Samaritan, parable of the Good Samaritan tells us it's everyone. That's who our neighbor is, everyone. If you did not listen to last week's message, please go back and listen to it because I talk more on this. We are our brother's keeper. That's how God made us. And we need to recognize that truth. Love and care for each other and reaching out to the lost world with the priority of the gospel. Now, hospitality is one way of doing that, okay? And that's the word God is giving us. Hospitality, other cultures are better at this than us, than especially the Western culture, okay? Especially in third world nations. They're better at hospitality. They invite you into their home. They give you whatever they have. That is how they live. And we want to get better at that. I want hospitality to be second nature to our culture as Harvest Fellowship. And, uh, and so we're going to be digging in and seeking to bring that about. First Peter 4, 8 and 9 will be our action verses for 2021. 
1 Peter 4, verses 8 and 9. He says, above all, maintain constant love for one another, your brothers and sisters in Christ, here especially as at the church that you call home, since love covers over a multitude of sins. As we love each other, we forgive each other. And that's how we remain united. We don't judge each other. We forgive each other. We love each other. But then he goes on, he says, be hospitable to one another without complaining. Show hospitality, I think is how the NIV states it. Show hospitality. So our action plan of hospitality this year, all right? So... January through March, because we're still battling with this whole COVID thing and we want to be some, you know, careful, et cetera, vaccines coming out, please, everybody get the vaccine. I want to kill this thing. Get rid of the dumb thing, okay, so that we can get back to this. So, but at first, what I'm asking you to do, every single person, every single person, I'm asking you to call someone every week. Call one person at least every week, and make it someone different each week, okay? But call someone every week, and you just simply ask them, how are you doing? How are you doing physically, emotionally, and spiritually? And how can I pray for you? That's a simple, simple phone call. And I'm talking to the introverts as well as the extroverts. Call somebody and ask them that simple question. And be open. You might even... After the conversation, say, hey, why don't we get together? Okay, be open to that. So call someone uh, each week and ask them those questions. Now, February 21st, or sorry, February 14th, I, I, I got to write that, change that in my sermon here. February 14th, I know it's Valentine's Day, but it's only right after church, Okay. So you get to go out later if you want to or go out on Friday or Saturday. That's great. But right after church, the ministry leaders are going to be gathering together to brainstorm how each ministry can be a part of this showing hospitality. So we're going to get some more stuff from that. But we're having this brainstorm session uh, with the ministry leaders we're gonna, uh, so we're, you know, on how to do that. I, I want to encourage everybody, when safe, invite people to your home often. Invite people to your home often. Cultivate hospitality. Now, I know that takes more time, doesn't it? And it takes money, doesn't it? And you have to clean your house. But that's a good thing. <laughs> so just invite people over to your home. And then from April to December, we're going to have dinner with four units. Now, that's what I'm calling it right now, but if you can come up with a better title for this, I'm sure you could. Please let me know, okay? So let me explain to you what I mean by this, okay? What we're going to be doing once every other month, we're going to, anybody who wants to, you gotta, you're going to have to tell us. We'll, we'll have a sign-up sheet and so forth and all that. But you're going to tell us we want to be a part of this, okay? And we're going to put three units. That's either a couple or a single, okay? That's what a unit is. It's either a couple or a single, right? We're going to put three units together. Okay, that could be two couples and a single or three singles or two singles and a couple, you know. Okay, so just 
three units of people, okay? We're going to put them together, and then that unit has to, together, come up with one other unit that you're going to invite to your four, to your dinner. And you're going to have dinner at one of your homes or eat out, however you want to do it, okay? So you're just going to get together for dinner, for fellowship. Someone's going to show hospitality, but you're also reaching out, aren't you? And by the way, the person you're reaching out to, the person or couple, have to be people that aren't regularly attending church somewhere. Got it? Okay, so that's the outreach part. <laughs> so dinner, and, and between the three of you, you can come up with somebody, I'm sure, that you could at least invite. Okay, and uh, so we're going to be doing this. Okay, so dinner with four units. I think it's a great title but I bet you can come up with a better title, okay? So please help me, all right? Uh, I want to do hospitality with donuts and coffee, okay, once a month downstairs. I want to do that, but we have to have a champion kind of put that together, and we don't have one yet. So we can't do that until I have somebody volunteer and come tell me, I want to take that, I want to do that. I want to bring back coffee <laughs> to, the, to the church. So eventually, you know, when we're able to do that. So, so, but we need people to uh, take that and say, yeah, I'm willing to do that. So, so, we're, uh, so we're, we're, we, we, we're looking at this, so, but, but once again, we need some leaders to, to do that. Um, okay, and uh, so that's the action plan of hospitality. The action plan for the prodigals, we're still seeking to reach the prodigals. We're praying for them. I think I last looked, I have, I want to say 37 prodigals on my prayer list that I'm praying for every day. And so we pray for the prodigals and give them a copy of my book. I wrote that for the prodigals. So, so we're, we're still seeking the Lord. And then finally, Easter, okay? Easter's coming up, right? Easter, I'm working it out to where I'm gonna start a series on Easter Sunday, four-week series on the end times according to Jesus in Mark 13, so we're going to look at end time stuff, but I think that's stuff that people might come to if you invite them, okay? And hopefully the first one will be a really good one, and then they'll want to come back instead of just coming to church once a year, okay? So, uh, so we're going to be put, putting some things together so you, you can invite people. We're going to be doing some advertising, et cetera, but we're going to do four Sundays starting with Easter, end times according to Jesus in Mark 13, Okay? We're in this together. We sink or swim together. God has a plan for us together to accomplish in community. So hospitality and fellowship are going to be what we're really going to be seeking and focusing on this year. And I think God is going to bring in a harvest, and he's going to develop fellowship, and we're going to see discipleship take place, and God will be glorified. It'll make them happy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what you did this last year. Though Satan uh, reared his ugly head and sought to do many, many horrible things, you have countered that and have done some great things and have started something that I believe we're going to even see full-blown revival in, because of these things. And so we're seeking you now. What is our part? We believe 
In part, it is this hospitality focus. So help us as a people to bring this about. Bring that true deep fellowship as well that we need so desperately. And be glorified. Bless each one here. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.